welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. Sermon by Chris Wiley on January 8th, Lord's Day service. Great to be back with you, and uh, let's pray and dive right into things. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The text this morning is from Ecclesiastes. I'm finishing up this uh, series of messages from the book of Ecclesiastes, interrupted by months at a time. But uh, the text today is found in uh, the 11th chapter, beginning at verse 5, and I'll read through verse 14 uh, uh, in chapter 12, which is the end of the book. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart, in the sight of your eyes, but know that all these things God will bring into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put pain away from your body, for youth and dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your Creator in the days of youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light of the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and strong men are bent and grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like, are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd, my son, beware of anything beyond these. Of the making many books, there is no end. 
and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So ends the, the book of Ecclesiastes. Most folks, when they think, boy, you know, I need a pick-me-up today, they don't turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. But it's a, uh, a book, I think, that is nourishing in a remarkable way, precisely because it's so direct and uh, doesn't pull punches, and because uh, there's a sense in which there's a wisdom found in it that can only be won through sorrow and hardship. It's expressed here. Now, uh, we're told here at the end something that I think we, we uh, intuitively know and appreciate, and that is in verse 7, light is sweet. It is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. And then following this, in verse 9, we're given a piece of advice that might surprise, because uh, oftentimes old, crusty guys, you know, are dour and uh, have a way of finding, you know, what's wrong with everything. You know, they look at the empty part of the glass and not the full part. But here, the preacher says, Rejoice, O young man, and I think by implication, young woman, in your youth. And let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. Isn't that fascinating? He's basically saying, go for it. Enjoy yourself. There are many wonderful things to enjoy in this life, and the period to enjoy them uh, most fully is short. So go for it. Uh, enjoy yourself. Put vexation out of your mind. Now, I thought about this term vexation and what he's referring to, and that's found in verse 10, put vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. In other words, he's essentially saying, don't fixate upon the things that give you pain. In other words, don't give yourself over to anger and frustration. Don't give yourself over to envy, jealousy, those sorts of things, those things that disturb the soul. Instead, uh, think about all the things that uh, are pleasant and enjoyable in life and give yourself over to those things because all is vanity. Now, I'm going to return to what he's referring to when he speaks of, uh, uh, of vanity, but uh, a couple of things to keep in mind here that I think are worth remembering. One is that Christians are not Buddhists. Sometimes uh, I was given the impression as a young Christian, particularly with pastors who stress the crucifixion and uh, the need to die to self and to die daily, and all of that's just fine and great, that essentially the best life you could possibly live is the most miserable life you can imagine, <laughs> where you just are always uh, you know, thinking about all of the things that are wrong with yourself and uh, all of the desires that you possess that kind of get you into trouble. Uh, but that's not really, I think, a proper way of assessing the Christian faith or evaluating it. The Christian faith is not an invitation to nothingness, to nirvana, to the obliteration of the self. Uh, Buddhism identifies the, uh, the, 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 the matter of pleasure or the, our interest in pleasure as the source of all of our pain. So in order to get rid of pain, you what? Get rid of pleasure. Get rid of pleasure and uh, pain goes with it. And so you have, end up in this kind of state of mind in which you find neither pleasure nor pain in anything. You're just kind of oblivious to it all and uh, out of touch with those dimensions of life. 
or at least striving to be out of touch with those dimensions of life. What is Christianity? Is it that? No. Christianity, I think, is better summed up by, the, by, uh, by St. Augustine when he talks about ordering our loves. He says, you know, we love many things, but we shouldn't love them all equally. And there can be an ordering of loves in our lives. We can love, uh, you know, good barbecue. Uh, we can love our wives. We can love a sunny day. But all of those things, as good as they are, are not the, the greatest thing of all. The greatest thing of all is the Lord who gives us all those good things. And so we need to order our hearts in a way so that uh, our hearts reflect the true order of things. We should love God first with all of our soul, mind, and strength, but that's not at the expense of all the other things. That's uh, with a heart of gratitude that receives all those, all those other things as well and says, hey, great food. Thank you, Lord. Good wife. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> you know, good kids. Thank you, Lord. Good day. Thank you, Lord. That's what I'm getting at. The problem, Augustine tells us, is when we get stuff out of order, we become disordered people with disordered loves, and that leads to all sorts of trouble. So if you want to really enjoy your life, get the loves in the proper order, and you will have a lot to be... Uh, well, you'll enjoy a lot of things, and in the right way. Now, the important thing to remember, though, in all of this is, again, as he notes, um, the days of darkness are coming. What he's referring to, of course, is old age. Now, today, I don't think we have a full appreciation for just how devastating age uh, was in the past. Today, we have, a, we have many uh, means by which we can improve the lives of elderly people cataract surgery, for example, uh, dentures. <laughs> Just, we have a lot of things that, that make life more pleasant for people who are starting to lose it, so to speak. And I'm kind of on the early in, you know, stages of this. Maybe some of you think I'm well along. <laughs> but I, I have more appreciation for what this means every day. You know, and your body changes in, in remarkable ways. When I was a young man, humidity drove me nuts. You know, I was like, man, I'm never going to move to Florida. That place is like a sauna, you know. And uh, today, uh, humidity hardly affects me. I, I now know why old people go there. You don't even notice it. You know, like, it's kind of nice. <laughs> you know? Anyway, uh, things change. Your life changes. Things pass away. And when you hear in the book of Ecclesiastes the word vanity, I know it comes to mind. It's what we, we, we normally think of as English speakers. It's being full of yourself, right? Being vain, being self-centered. That's not really... The, you know, the best way to, to, to see what the, the preacher is talking about or assess what the preacher is talking about. The, the, the Hebrew word that's translated into the English word vanity is habel, which means vapor. What he's, what he's getting at is that our lives are vaporous. We see that in James when James tells us, you know, in his epistle that our lives are like a mist that appears on the horizon, the sun comes up and burns. If you've ever been in San Francisco and seen the fog, you know, in the, in the morning, and then by, you know, noontime it's, it's all gone and the day is clear, that's, what, that's what's being, you know, referred to here. Your life is like that. It passes away. It doesn't leave a mark. You know, you just, you're here for a while and then you're gone. So, because that's the case, enjoy it while you can. <laughs> this is in the Bible. Enjoy it while you can, but enjoy it in the right way. 
and that, and that in the right way, that important caveat is what follows in verse 9. He says uh, there, but know that all these things God will bring into judgment. So enjoy yourself, but know that the way you enjoy yourself will be judged. Keep that in mind. You're accountable for your deeds. Now let's reflect on this depressing matter of the coming evil days. We see that referred to in verse 1 in chapter 12. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Now, we all know that there's a tendency to, to grow more interested in, uh, you know, uh, Christian truth as you get older. I remember Howie Carr. Howie Carr is a writer, a columnist, wrote for the, uh, the Boston Herald, uh, was kind of a TV personality and radio personality in the Boston area. And he was, making, he, was, he was remarking on just how well Roman Catholics finish. He, he likened it to like a horse race. You know, he says, you know, in the starting blocks, you know, you've got the various denominations, the Baptists, the Presbyterians, and you've got, you know, the Roman Catholics. And boom, they're, you know, they're off and running. And the Roman Catholics way in the end, way at the back, you know. But as, you know, the race progresses and, and, and everyone's getting closer to the finish line, and on the outside is the Roman Catholic. He's <laughs> making a run. <laughs> you know, the idea is, you know, you, you start going to Mass every day, <laughs> you know, in, in, your, in your 60s and 70s, because you know you're getting near the end. Here, uh, the preacher's saying, don't be like that. Do it when you're young. You know, get off to a good start and stay ahead all the way to the end. Uh, get it right. Acknowledge your creator in the days of your youth. And he refers to the, the, the process by which our bodies uh, start their decline. And the, if, if it wasn't such, so depressing, it'd be beautiful, this passage, uh, as, as he's referring to the various faculties that we possess uh, falling apart. Now, there's a kind of pessimism that can kind of... Uh, uh, kind of sweep us up uh, when we think in these terms. We can, we can think of the body, uh, because of this, as some kind of uh, sort of low-quality, second-rate thing that we kind of just have to put up with while we're in it. Now, one way of sort of dismissing the good things of this world and the good gifts of the body is, is Gnosticism. I referred to that in Sunday school, I think, briefly. But Gnosticism is the conviction it's a very ancient way of thinking that the spirit and the, the interests of the spirit are good, but the body uh, itself is second rate and actually the product of a different God than the God that is the author of our spirits, the demiurge, who sort of put together our bodies as a kind of prison to subject us to his will. It's, it's sort of like... When you were a kid, I don't know if kids still do this, but I did this. Um, when I was a kid, we would take a mayonnaise jar on a summer night, usually in June, and we'd go out and we'd catch fireflies. I don't know if anybody does that anymore. Maybe there are no more fireflies in the world, but we used to do this when I was a kid. You know, we'd be considerate enough to poke some holes on top because we thought, well, those fireflies need some oxygen. We put we put them in that that and then we'd bring them into the house and we'd have a jar full of fireflies and they'd be like a nightlight, you know, right there by your bed, kind of blinking all night. And then you wake up in the morning and they were dead. <laughs> They'd just all be dead, lying on the bottom of the jar. And you say, "Man, I did 
didn't want that to happen. I wanted to keep those fireflies. But the demiurge was thought of in that way, that, you know, spiritually we're like those fireflies, you know, bright and good and pure, and then there's this maniacal God who just, with this mayonnaise jar, just the body just captured us. And now we're just withering away, subject to the, you know, decay of our bodies and all the pains and problems that they, they uh, you know, give to us or are occasions for our de being depressed. Now, there's a more contemporary way of thinking about this, and that is to think of our bodies as just machines. Now, the, the whole transhumanist thing uh, of Silicon Valley on the West Coast is, the, uh, is basically it's all predicated on the, on the same idea that there was this kind of process that brought our bi bodies into being that was somehow uh, less than ideal, maybe through evolutionary processes or whatever. But now, with the use of uh, modern technology, we can improve our bodies. It's kind of like, kind of like the six million dollar man. You remember the six million dollar man, when you're, I, you know, or the, the bionic woman, you know, uh, that really dates you. If, you. if you can say, yeah, I remember that, you know, you're my age. <laughs> but anyway, the idea was that you know we can supplement our bodies and make them last longer and be stronger and smarter and you know have neural links so you can download stuff into your brain I mean that's what Elon's up to but anyway so this this approach to our bodies is, is, is sort of uh, instrumentalist uh, we can make improvements but I, 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 I want to promise you something uh, Ray Kurzweil and all those crazy folks uh, that they're not gonna they're not gonna succeed I want you to know that no matter what they say about you know improving our lifespans, whatever, we're going to die. They might be able to put it off for a little while, but we are going to die. So enjoy it while you can, but not in a way that uh, is sinful and brings God's wrath. But also, um, remember, too, that we are subject to death because of a curse. We know, because we know scripture, that the curse of death is something that we all live under because of what happened in the distant past in the garden. And the description of the fall of the house, I think, as I noted before, is beautiful yet sad. You can see uh, it described here beginning in verse 2 when he says, Before the sun and the light of the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after rain referring obviously to failing vision. And they, when the keepers of the house tremble, hands, and strong men are bent, and grinders cease, teeth, because they are few. And those who look out through the windows are dimmed. You are looking out, again, through the windows of your eyes. And the doors of the street are shut. You don't feel a need or desire to eat. And the sound of grinding is low, and one rises up at the sound of a bird. Now, when I was a young man, a bird never woke me up. But I want you to know, a bird will wake me up now. <laughs> and uh, this is uh, obviously a reference to just this whole process of decay. We're afraid of what's high and the terrors of the way. I just love that image of the grasshopper dragging itself along. You know, weariness sort of seems to be everywhere you look, and then the morning, 
You hear the mourners in the street. There's a sense in which people are anticipating your death and maybe practicing the mourning songs. Before the silver cord is snapped, I'm not sure what that refers to, but it's a beautiful image, and the golden bowl is broken, and the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, and the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God, the God who gave it. Vapor of vapor, says the preacher, all is vapor. So, what should we take away from this? What is the end of the matter? We're told the end of the matter in verse 13. We're told that the end of the matter, when all has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. That's the end of the matter. Then we have a eulogy for the preacher. Apparently, he's gone, he's dead. At the very end of this uh, chapter, beginning in verse 19, the eulogy begins. Eulogy just simply means good words. It's when you're, you know, at a funeral and talking about the person who's departed, and you say a few good things. Sometimes people don't get the drift and say some bad things, but you know what I'm saying. You know, good things are being said. And it says here, besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. Isn't that a marvelous uh, statement? On the one hand, he was interested in words of delight, expressing uh, the truth beautifully, not just, you know, barely and without adornment or without uh, an eye to the pleasure that the truth should bring us, but it was still upright, and it was words of truth. And then in verse 11, uh, that, you know, we're, we're told as well that the words of the wise are like goats, like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. Now, a goat is what you put behind a beast of burden to make certain it doesn't go backward. We have the same thing today when you rent a car. Have you ever gone to, like, rent a car, and you have to drive over this thing with blades, you know? And they warn you, don't back up. <laughs> As if you do, you got shredded tires. But this is what you have with goads. The goads are intended to motivate, to uh, obviously, to propel uh, this beast of burden to do its work. And the words of the wise are like that. They goad us along. Toward what end? Toward the end I've already noted, the end of the matter, that uh, we should fear God and keep his commandments. So we should keep that in mind at the start of our lives as, you know, youths, but also at the end of our lives, remembering that the whole duty of man is to obey God and keep his commandments. Now, one of the things about the book of Ecclesiastes is that we know that there's more to the story as Christians. We know there's more to the story because we have the, really the great privilege of living after the advent of Christ, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, historically speaking, the preacher, you know, he sees that in the future darkly, dimly, but we can look back with clarity of sight and know that there's more to it. What am I getting at? 
what I'm getting at is what uh, we see expressed in the Westminster Shorter Catechism with that first question. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God, and that's what we see here, the chief end of man is to fear God and obey his commandments, but there's more to the story than just simply our death at the end of the day. The rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say, I love bringing up Paul Harvey. That's another one of those names that only certain people get. That's how he always told his stories. And the rest of the story. The rest of the story is the resurrection. And what the resurrection means for you and for me. What the resurrection means for you and for me is that our best days are actually not behind us. They're not in the past. Those are good days. Don't get me wrong. Enjoy them while you can. But our best days are actually in the future. Because we're looking forward to a kingdom that has no end. What we see in Christ's resurrection is a picture. It's a, it's a preview of coming attractions. You and I will be raised like him and dwell with him and enjoy him forever. That's why, as Christians, we're joyful people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to take the truth to heart, help us to remember you, love you, glorify you in all we do, enjoy the good things in this life because of you to endure. We also uh, pray hardship uh, and uh, the decline that we all will experience or are experiencing as our lives come to their ends. But we also know, Lord, that we have a great hope that this isn't the end of the story, that there's much, much more, and it's much better, and it gets better all the time. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com. Oh,